my first day with ChatGPT hitting a million users. And all of a sudden, like we didn't really have this problem with top of funnel awareness with developers anymore. Everyone was really excited to build with the stuff. So Hi, everyone. You're listening to Scanning Dev Tools. I'm joined today by Logan Kilpatrick, who is a member of the developer advocacy team at OpenAI, which is extremely exciting. Um, thank you so much for joining, Logan. Jack, thanks for, thanks for having me. This is going to be a ton of fun. And uh, we were talking before this about all the questions that you sourced from the developer committee. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super excited. Yeah. If there's one thing I've got, it's questions for you. Um, <laughs> so, so my first question is, for most, most of the like, founders that I speak to, their, their goal is to try to, how do I get my first users? How do I like, get people to actually care about what I'm doing? And you kind of have the opposite problem where the, it seems like the entire world is looking at OpenAI and everyone cares a lot about what you're doing. So I wondered what challenges you have um, when you already have a lot of attention. Yeah, this is this is a great question, and I think it's it's oftentimes, you know, it's a great problem to have. It's not a problem that you often run into. Like, it's not a skill set that I was like thinking about. Like, I think my experience had been much more like you know trying to scream into the void of like telling developers why the thing that I was excited about should also be exciting for them. And I think at OpenAI, um, when I was originally being hired, like that was actually the part of what we were trying to do was we had GPT three point five. Um, we had the API, but developers really didn't understand like what they could build. There was like a few early customers, like the Jasper AIs of the world and, and others who were building really interesting things, but um, nowhere near widespread market adoption. And um, it just so happened that after uh, the, you know, a very long hiring process, my first day was ChatGPT hitting a million users. And all of a sudden, like we didn't really have this problem with top of funnel awareness with developers anymore. Everyone was really excited to build with the stuff. So then it really turned to, we had, I think at the time, like a seven person team that did like all of the API stuff. Um, like the entire developer platform was like seven people. And it became like, how do we make the best developer product ever? And we had like 1 PM at the time. We had like a few engineers and me and like it was a lot of scrambling and a lot of work. Um, cause even, even after, you know, we had the, the the success of ChatGPT like it takes a while to like fire up the hiring engine to the scale that we're at today and um, so even for like the GPT four release the ChatGPT API release like we didn't have a huge team for those so it was a lot of a lot of the initial work that I did was focused on like DevX like how do we make things better for developers um, and and to to actually answer your question about what is the really hard part for for people today it's really how do we help people scale reliably on our platform and there's just so many um there, there's so many challenges with that because of how compute intensive these these tools are that uh and how much demand there is we have to make a lot of like trade-offs that i don't think like and no one wants to be making these trade-offs but it's just uh, the, the position we're in today. So it's a lot of those decisions and like trying to optimize the crappy trade-offs we have to make to be like the most developer-friendly thing that we could do, um, even though there's like so much more that we have to do. Yeah, that and would one of those trade-offs, I think I heard you talk about on another podcast where um, someone was asking about having like billing and usage by like API key and you, you were talking about a like, yeah, like in theory, this is relatively easy to implement, but we also need to think about the scaling and 
hundred percent. Yeah, I, I do remember him saying that. And the good news is we did release API key-based key usage. So we, we do have it now. Um, it, uh, I think like the engineering work finished on like December 20th or something. And then we rolled it out um, to everybody like a, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I was super excited to see. Um, but it is like, that is a great example of like, there's all of these like core platform uh, things that we need to do to make it like easier for enterprises and companies and just individual developers to use our platform. And like, we trade those off against like, well, we have new models that we need to release and like new APIs that we need to build, like the assistance API, for example. And like, how do you make the trade off between those like core features that people want and new modalities and new APIs? And like, historically we've skewed towards like, Hey, let's just keep shipping new models and new APIs. And like, you know, it's, the the actual like platform has fallen to the wayside and um i think that was the right trade-off historically now we have more resources we actually have like an enterprise platform team that's really focused on like shipping a bunch of like core platform improvements so you'll see a lot more stuff coming from that team um making our products better but yeah historically bad trade-offs like we want to make those (laughs) we want to make the platform better but we also want to ship new api modalities and like it's just we can't do both um, in, in the past. And I'm, I'm excited for the future where we'll be able to do all of the things at once and, and hopefully do them all really well. Yeah. And, and speaking of doing all the things at once and trying to do them really well as well, how, how if you had to kind of talk about like how you spend your week, how you divide your time, like how are you, uh, how are you doing that? And, and also how are you deciding how you do that? There is, is, there's an interesting tension point between like where I think I'm going to spend my time and because of how quickly the pace of open AI is moving, like where I end up spending my time. So two weeks ago, if you had asked me, how will I be spending this week? Um, I would have given you a different answer than what I'll actually spend this, this week doing. And, um, it's, I think that's actually like the most challenging part is it's, it's really difficult to like, plan ahead and be like, I want to do these five things because so much is going to change between now and what I hope to accomplish the end of those five things because of how quickly we're moving. And um, I, I don't have a great uh, a great answer. Like in, in general, like the big buckets of things that I spend my time doing is like the document, our core documentation product. I spend a ton of time, like I'm the end up being like the DRI for like a lot of the improvements um, on a granular level or on a, on a very macro level as well. Um, so spend probably like 20% of my time doing that, probably spend like 20% of my time, like talking directly to developers, um, hearing feedback from them, like seeing problems. Um, I probably spend like 20% of my time on just like random internal coordination stuff. Like everybody has questions about everything and somebody needs to answer them. Um, so spend a lot of time doing that. And then we launch so much stuff that I feel like we're always in a launch mode. So I'm like, I feel like at least a quarter of my time is spent on like new launches. Like for the last couple of weeks, it's been the GBT store and like supporting that launch around um, developer comms for like how we do appeals for takedowns around GPTs and helping people make better custom actions in their GPTs and all that stuff. Um, so it's it's all over the place, and there's this there's an infinite amount of work. I have a to do list that's that's never stopping growing, and I think that's that's the really fun part to me. Like I think if if there was less work to do and there was less stuff happening, it just wouldn't be as exciting to me. So I'm I'm happy uh, in a lot of ways that there's so much craziness going on. Yeah, it sounds like very much like I mean, obviously, I guess it is a startup. It's like, but it's like you're a founder in a sense that it sounds like you're just like every day like, well, okay, what should I do? Yeah, 100%. I, I think it's like, 
again, the, the company's changed in, in, in many ways for the better, given now that we have so many more people. Like we used to just really be so resource constrained that like you would just have to say no to everything. And, um, now I feel like we can say yes to a lot. And like I get to say yes to a lot more because like I know that we have, you know, five other people who are doing some really important work behind the scenes. Um, so that, that part is refreshing. Uh, because we've scaled so much. So it's been, it's been nice to not have everything be on such a small team of folks. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, one of the kind of related questions I had is that when everyone is kind of looking at you, does it make it harder to be like that kind of like experimental scrappy startup? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I, I don't, I, I was trying to think of what the what the silver lining <laughs> the silver lining of it is, and like in, in reality, like it is really difficult to to have that spotlight on you. Like I think in in some sense, like it's fun sometimes to to have that spotlight, but there's a lot of times where I'm like, I would love to just be able to like ship stuff and like get things out to the world. And I think we do have an internal company culture of like just do stuff, like get it out there, have agency, like go and solve the problem, and like it doesn't need to be the perfect solution. But I think like that that mindset and that culture is like definitely deeply um, conflicting with the reality that there's like so many people who are watching and like every little small mistake that we make. And it's not even like, I think developers in some sense are forgiving because they, they understand the process of like building these things versus like, I actually think in a lot of ways, like consumer products are a little bit less forgiving because people don't have as much like develop the audience of consumers don't have as much intuition as to like how products are built and things like that. And I think like developers understand how APIs are built and how other developers work. So they're, they're a little bit more forgiving than I think like ChatGPT um, and users might be. So I, I think that is nice. But in, in the other sense, like, you know, if our API goes down, like all of a sudden now, like hundreds or thousands of businesses are now, um, no longer able to operate with the services that they said that they were going to provide to their customers. So it's also a, a much like different bar in, in that sense as well. So it's this, it's this tricky trade-off. Um, and, and I like very personally, like for me, really enjoy like the scrappiness of, of doing things. Like I just, it's, it's fun to be able to like do things very quickly and move super fast. And like, um, I've, I've, you know, had to make adjustments myself as we've continued to scale and there's more eyeballs of just like being more cautious about things that we say and you know what the quality level is for products that we release and docs and stuff like that so it's um it could definitely be challenging yeah that's it's sounds fun and exciting and also yeah challenging um what what do you think is like the most impactful um thing that your team does um on the kind of like dev role side of things it's, it's definitely the documentation. Like, I think at the end of the day, if I had to say no to everything else and focus on a single thing, it would be our docs. Like our API is, is brought to developers through our documentation. And if there's something wrong with our documentation or it doesn't make sense or people can't find what they're looking for, like then we've, we've failed. It doesn't matter that GBD4 is incredible or that our other models are incredible. If people can't find it and learn how to use it and be effective building with it, then nothing else matters. Um, so I think that's like the, in my mind, always priority number one. Like I can say no to everything else, knowing that like the docs are, are really what matters. Um, and I think we're just now as, 
um, Roman, who's my, my manager, um, has joined and, and so many other folks, uh, hopefully in the future will be joining us. Like we're just now getting to the point where we'll be able to like scale and build a team. Cause like historically it's been me doing the docs in collaboration, like with random other teams, um, like engineering teams or product teams or whomever, who's like our, our go to market team has done a bunch of things, um, related to docs, but like, you know, at the end of the day, those are all like one-off contributions and like no one else is really thinking super deeply about it. Um, so I'm, yeah, having other folks to help that will be super nice. And like, hopefully developers will be able to see the, the change and up level in quality once we have more people who are waking up every day, living and breathing uh, developer docs. Yeah. And you've been, you, your docs get pretty heavily scrutinized, I guess, used. <laughs> um, yeah. What kind of things have you learned um, in, in the process of like working on OpenAI's docs? I think something that, you know, mostly because it's been me writing the docs, um, like we, we've not done, and I think Stripe is maybe a great example of where people have done a, a better job of this. And I'm sure there's other good examples, but like, I really am a sucker for like, um, a beautiful design that like invokes this like deep emotion as you're using developer documentation. I think like that manifests itself for a lot of other developer tooling companies like around um, like landing pages. Like I think we like, I'm not a designer by trade. So like I have a really hard time in my mind, like picturing how to build what it is that I want, but like we just kind of throw you into like the technical details. And like, I think what actually makes a lot of sense is for us to like, have some like well-designed signposted landing pages that like take you for different personas or along different journeys. And like, we don't do any of that today. We really like, um, pretty minimally like give you the information you would need and kind of assume that everybody's a developer who's reading it. And like, that's not the reality. Like there's a lot of other personas who are showing up today. So I think the lesson for me has been like, we need to build those things for people. And like, I don't personally have the right skill set to be the one to do that. So like I can think about what makes sense for developers, but there's like all these other things that we need to consider. And um, it just ends up being like a huge endeavor to take on, which is why we haven't solved the, the problem yet. How are you figuring out that where the gaps are in terms of like, okay, we don't have these personas. Is it just from like, you just go and chat with people or? Yeah, I think it's chatting with people. And I think it's a lot of also just like looking through other people's uh, like great examples of like other developer companies that I really like. And like, you know, I think our our docs are just like very lacking in terms of like of those pieces. And like they're very heavy on text and like not heavy on like diagrams and videos. And it's just because like, again, we historically like have not created a lot of other types of content. Like it's really just been like text as the thing that we create. Also because we've been moving so quickly, like so... Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, like essentially our entire... If you look at the docs that we had a year ago compared to where we have today, like all of the docs from a year ago are gone. And we now have like completely new docs, not because like we just like rewrote everything because it's like we have different surface areas. Like a year ago, the API was very different than it is today. Um, so it's been, it's like hard to make the like longer term investment and in like video content and stuff like that when you know that it's not going to potentially stand the test of time. And I think things are like slightly different. Like I think GPT-4 is going to be around for a while, but um, yeah, it's, it's still an interesting trade-off. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that makes sense. But like, I always think the observation with like OpenAI is like that you just did 
you do some things like so well that like it kind of doesn't matter if there's like these other things there <laughs> people will still yeah. come to you that that's been the, the i think that is 100% true i think the trade off though is like for us you know that's only true to the point that we, and I, I tweeted this the other day more so just to, cause I was curious to see people's reaction, but you know, that open AI is only as good as its next, um, as its next model. And like, I think if that mindset is true, um, and with how much competition that there is in the, in the model provider space, like we really do need to have this like holistically, uh, incredible developer experience across our surface areas. Like we can't just rely on, always being like, which I think we will be like, I, you know, selfishly think we will always have the best models because I see the order of magnitude of the investments that our company's making and the people we have doing research. But, um, I think it's the wrong thing to do is to like, assume that that's going to be the case and not try to make the investments and like incredible content and experiences and all these other things. Yeah. And how, how do you feel like you can be better than like all the other kind of like model providers and like developer experience? Yeah, I think like in a lot of ways, because we are so focused on developers, like I think like our, our, it is impossible for, you know, I know, I know like people associate at like the mass market level OpenAI with ChatGPT, but really for OpenAI to be successful, our API has to be successful and we have to make it the, the best thing for developers to build with because our, our mission is making artificial general intelligence that benefits everybody. And for the assumption to be that ChatGPT is what is going to go and and be the mechanism to do that. I, I don't think it's going to be true. Um, I think ChatGPT is going to be immensely successful and you know could be at the order of magnitude of you know a Google search or something like that. But um, even if that's true, there's still many orders of magnitudes of more distribution that you could have um, through an API product. And like we see that today, like there's there's so many people who use ChatGPT, but there's also like probably hundreds or uh, many hundreds of millions of, of end users who are using AI products who don't even know that it's OpenAI who is powering their experience. Um, and I think that is like the required thing. So I think like a lot of other providers, you know, you could, you know, I, again, I like Google. I think Google's a, a great company, but like Google's mission is not in, in some ways like not reliant on them like building the best product for developers. Like I think they have Google search and like maybe they're, you know, I'm sure they have some other way of framing their mission. This is for me externally looking at it, but like, I think for us be, to be successful, we need developers as part of that. And I don't think that's necessarily true for, for a lot of companies. I think that's probably like the biggest differentiator. It's just like a core piece of our mission. Yeah. So it's, it just has to be, you just have to be. Yeah. That's really cool. One thing I was interested in is like, you're in such a unique position. I guess most of my questions are going to be like, hey, you're, you guys are unique. How how do you think about like getting like advice from people? Like, Because <laughs> it's kind of hard to find people that have been through what you're going through. I think we, we have a team um, and we're building a team that like has a lot of the, the right experience. That's so like even, even my manager, Roman, um, led DevRel and, and DevX and a bunch of different product surface areas at, at Stripe. Um, and I think Stripe's a great example. Like a lot of our core team has come from Stripe and they've been through a lot of these. Like, I think it's like different, um, 
it's a different like angle on the same experiences, but like Stripe, I think is probably previously like one of the most successful developer product companies that exists. And like, they've built a bunch of incredible stuff. And like, we've been lucky enough to get a bunch of amazing folks from their team who um, have those experiences. And um, I, I also think like at the end of the day, like, sticking very close to what developers themselves are saying, I think is like super, um, it's not only like fun just cause like I really like and empathize with what other developers say, but like, it's the truth. Like it, like I can get advice from a bunch of other people about what to do, but like at the end of the day, I can also go to our developer forum and like read a bunch of comments that people are giving me. And like, that is like empirically like the truth of what developers want. And, um, it's, it's oftentimes like the, the hard part is not knowing is like not getting suggestions on what to do. It's like more about the prioritization of like, how do we decide which of those things? And I, I mentioned that before, but like we, we used to just historically m make much worse trade-offs. And like, now I think we just like had much more bandwidth to like go and do more of the things that people have been asking us for. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Okay, I think this is my last question. Um, but one of the questions I have is like, how do you kind of like keep keep the kind of like the noise out sometimes? Like I know like uh in, in sort of uh November, December time there was like especially quite a lot of noise going on. Um and like how how are you like able to kind of like you know carry on, you know, working on docs and stuff like that? That's a, that's a tough question. I think it's, it's especially challenging for me as somebody who has inadvertently, um, like become much more public for open AI developers. Like, I don't, I don't think that was like very intentional. Like I was just kind of doing the thing that needed to be done. And, um, now I feel like I'm, I'm always in this constant trade-off between it would be really nice to not be online and like, it would be really nice to like take time away. And like, I'm always like close to tweeting, like, you know, I'm going to take some time away from Twitter. Um, but on the flip side, like at the end of the day, like it's part of my job. There's also like a, a, t a huge need. And like, I continue to get like extremely high valuable signal. Like I get DMs from people all the time being like, Hey, this thing is broken or, you know, this thing's not working to me. And I get to go and surface that to our teams. And like, if I take time away and decide not to do that, then I'm like really doing a disservice to our, our developers and our customers. So it's, it's a tricky trade-off. Um, I think at the end, like, I think going back to, trying to stay focused on like doing deep work. It's like at the end of the day, bar everything else going away. Like the thing that matters is for me personally right now is like making docs improvements. So like that ends up being like the prioritization docs improvements and like helping support our launches are like the two things that like I will always have to focus on and like make really difficult trade-offs. Like historically we have a developer platform, like a developer uh, community forum, for example. And like, historically I've had to like step away from the developer community forum for like a month at a time or something, because I just did not have enough bandwidth to manage a community of millions of people and do all the other things that needed to happen. And like, it's just a difficult trade-off that has to be made, but I know the two things that are like top of my list as far as what needs to happen. Yeah. That makes total sense. So just come back to like, what really are my priorities and then accepting that you have to be out there to some extent um, on, on Twitter. 
And, and being apologetic, like I, I spend a lot of my time <laughs> apologizing to, to people in our developer community and things like that, that like we can't do more. And I think like it's like part of it is just like being humble about the reality that like we're not always giving people what they want and like we are miss there are gaps. And I think it's like easy to buy into the idea that, you know, OpenAI has this incredible developer platform and we've had all this success and therefore like we don't need to apologize to people, but I, I think it actually goes a long way. And like, I, I do in many cases, like feel apologetic about the fact that we've dropped the ball for some, you know, sliver or fraction or portion of, of people who are trying to build stuff with our platform. Yeah. That's, that's, it's really cool. Like, yeah, it, it's, it would be easy to imagine a world where like you guys were just like sat on your, you know, looking down like, Hey, we built, see, have you tried GPT-4? <laughs> and you're correcting me on the, this little, like, uh, API docs mistake we've got. Um, yeah. Also send me the API docs mistakes. If folks do stuff, <laughs> please shoot me a message. Like those are my favorite things to be like, darn it. I can't believe we made this mistake, but thank you to whoever that person is who pointed out, like, please send that stuff. That's, those are always the best things to see. Yeah. It's an easy green square on GitHub as well. So true. Very true. <laughs> Very true. Okay. So I actually have a lot of questions from like friends and developer tools people. Um, so the first one is from Lou from TL draw, who I know that, you know, um, but for anyone that doesn't, if they saw Twitter where, um, that was like, this, you could like write what you wanted and it would, it would just kind of draw it and create it. Um, that was TL draw, check it out. Um, so Lou asked, uh, what do you want people to make with open AI that they aren't already? I've said this a few times publicly now. So I think hopefully only a couple more times and then somebody will build this, but like, I, I think the, the text first chat assistant is what is going to bring AI to the next 3 billion people. I think being able, like everybody already who has technology already knows what texting is. They already know how it works and they don't need to go and learn some new interface. And I think there's a huge, massive, massive opportunity to build like a multiplayer, multimodal text first uh, AI assistant. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. Like, I think it's just going to be so wonderful. So I'm uh, fingers crossed somebody built something cool. Okay. That sounds pretty awesome. Um, Louis from Bloop asks, do you have any plans for the open AI community in London? Um, but I guess we'll expand that to like every city. <laughs> yeah, Louis, this is a great question. I think we actually are pretty aggressively um, growing our London footprint. If you go on our careers page right now, there's like a ton of different open um, actual like engineering positions that are based in London. I'm hopeful that that will sort of be the the Kickstarter for the London community because we'll have an off we do have an office, but we'll also have like a much larger footprint. I think broadly it is it is definitely a work in progress. Um I think part of like I'm based in Chicago, I'm not based in San Francisco. And and part of my instinct around um other than that, my partner's in Chicago and that I love Chicago is like I, I really think like again, our mission is to build AI that benefits everybody. And like everyone does not live in San Francisco. And I think for me, it's super important that we show up in places that are not just the most exciting tech hubs in the world. Like I'm talking to someone right now about doing a an event in Atlanta and um all these other places because 
you know, so many more people than just those in San Francisco deserve to be excited about AI. And um, yeah, if folks have events and things like that that they're excited about, please feel free to send them to me and um, we can work on, on trying to make them happen. But it, it's a difficult trade-off because like, you know, we have a small team. I'm also already traveling a ton. So there's, um, it's it's a bunch of really difficult trade-offs. And I'm, I'm hopeful just like as the team grows and as the company grows, we'll be able to do many, many more um, of these types of events. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Louis organizes AI Tinkerers in London and you should definitely, uh, if you do get a chance, you should come to that one. Um, Louis, I'll come. I mean, if I... I'll, uh, I'll get him to do it. Uh, so, um, Frashank Vias, uh, founder of Porky asks, um, what innovations do you feel your team has made for DevRel slash developer experience? If any. It's a, it's a good, it's a, it's a heavy question. Yeah. Um, I wonder what innovations we have made. I think like we've enabled some of the really cool, um, new like DevX paradigms around like being able to like chat with, uh, different docs and stuff like that. I think we ourselves have not done that mostly because like, if you like Stripe has done this, uh, Shopify has done this, others have done this. Um, it takes some work to get it right and like do it really well. And like, we haven't done it not because we don't think it can be done well, but because we haven't had the time to do it well. Um, so I'm excited for like when we'll be able to launch our like open AI, uh, developer assistant, um, to, to make that happen. And somebody actually in the community built a GPT to do this. Um, and I think it actually works pretty well. So if you use our API and you go, uh, look in the GPT store, you should be able to find the one that somebody in the community made. And we've explored building our own first party version of this as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's like, again, we didn't sort of build that innovation ourselves, but I think it's what our technology has enabled for people who are in this space. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and Louis, his company Bloop do like where you can like talk to your code base and like ask like oh, general nice. questions like yeah yeah I'm like that's that's one yeah. of the coolest things like the, I, I use ChatGPT and Cursor and Copilot and a bunch of other like yeah, yeah. AI development products and like I'm like I don't know what I would do if I did not have these like I would be like so much less effective at my job it's so nice to be able to have it that's awesome um, John from Joyful asks what is the number one DevRel tactic you've you'll be using in 2024. <laughs> make, make great docs. That is the, the theme of this conversation. Make great docs. Everything else uh, comes after that. Okay, I wish I'd asked this one earlier, actually. <laughs> is Edo, uh, who's a software engineer in London, um, is a bit of a London theme. Um, is there something that OpenAI developers are currently unhappy with that you really want to improve in 2024? Yeah, I think one of the big things is like the freedom to scale with us. I saw this, I saw this tr thread from somebody a, a few months ago, um, talking about how, how challenging and how upset they were with the experience as they've grown, um, as they've grown their company and their business using the open AI API and how hard it was to like get additional like higher rate limits and quota and stuff like that. And I think that's historically been the biggest challenge. And a lot of it is rooted in the capacity constraints. Like we just don't have enough capacity for everyone to do the things that they want to do, which is just so mind blowing to me. Like for the first year and year and some change of being an open AI, I'm like, how can we not just get more computers for people? Like, I don't understand. We have, it's like, we have money. Why we, we can like give people money and there's no, there's nothing for us to buy with our money. And it just, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really challenging. And I think 
that that's probably the biggest thing. Like we solve that, it's going to be a huge unlock for people. And then they're not going to feel like they're, um, like they need our permission to scale. Like by default, they can scale to whatever it is the, the level they want to. So I'm, I'm really hopeful we'll solve that by the end of the year. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that sounds great. Um, yeah. More computers. Uh, okay. Uh, last, like, these are just like kind of more silly ones, I guess, but, um, mundane thing that you spend a lot of your time doing at such an exciting company. I spend a lot of time looking through like Twitter DMS and emails and stuff like that. And it's not like mundane cause it's usually people asking me for something interesting, but it's like very difficult to stay on time. And like, I'll take like a, I'll have like a day where I don't look at my email and it's just like almost intractable to like go back and try to, um, figure it out. So I'm trying things like superhuman AI and I need like superhuman AI for my Twitter DMs would be really useful because there's just like so many things that have slipped through the cracks that I'm like, it's impossible to go back and find. Um, so I hopefully superhuman will build that for me. Yeah. You're going to get a cold DM about that. Uh, <laughs> as soon as this comes out. I hope um, so. Have you managed to take any vacation since you joined? I have. And, and, um, I was talking to my, my girlfriend about this, like, the, the right time at OpenAI, not that this is useful for anyone else, but the right time at OpenAI to take vacation is between like Christmas and, and New Year's because we have a code freeze. Um, every other time I've taken vacation, something has come up where like we end up deprecating models or there's some new release or something always happens. Um, and that that's not the case between Christmas and New Year. So I need to, th- this coming year, I'm going to plan um, a nice relax. It's like the only time to actually unplug. Like I've gone on vacations, but it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like worried because, you know, something, something else is always going on behind the scenes. Um, so Christmas 2024 is going to be wonderful. I'm excited to, to take a break. Okay. And a final question is your Chicago resident best deep dish place. I ate a lot of Lumonati's growing up. Um, so Lumonati's is great, but I'm actually much more of a, um, if you're in Chicago, a place, it's, I don't think it's a, considered a chain, but Paradise Park has um, this incredible, it's like, I could go on for a while about pizza stuff, but like the problem with pizza is like it's either undercooked or overcooked or too sloppy or like has not enough sauce. Paradise Park has this really beautiful mix of all of those things. Um, and it's just like really high quality and consistent. I feel like I can get it every time and I know it's going to be good. They also have a really great salad that goes along with it. So Paradise Park, um, incredible. Amazing. So hopefully you see that at uh, some Chicago OpenAI developer meetup or something. <laughs> hopefully. We'll, we'll make it happen. Amazing. Um, Logan, thank you so much. Um, is there anything, if you had to have like a big takeaway for DevTools founders um, who are, you know, working on their thing that you've learned over the time that you've been at OpenAI? I think in, in maybe, and hopefully this, this won't be an annoying for answer for people, but I think like enjoy the, enjoy the rise to like, hopefully success as a DevTools founder. Like, I think like if I really enjoyed so much, like the first, like, six, seven, eight months of my time at OpenAI because it was like we were really fighting and scrapping to like get through all the stuff. And I think it's just like a very different problem space once you like are quote unquote like successful in what you're doing. And um, 
I think like people often think that that's like, you know, going to be the, and of course there's a bunch of benefits to it and everything, but um, in a lot of ways, like that beginning period where like, it's just you and a small team of people trying to get developers excited about what you're doing is like probably going to be the most fun that time that you have. Um, so enjoy that time and it, it will hopefully, uh, it'll hopefully end at some point and you'll, you'll be super successful and then uh, you'll have had this beautiful journey. Amazing. Amazing. And uh, you're hiring, is that correct? Yeah, our, our team's growing across like, you know, every dimension. So even if you're not somebody who's like wants to do dev tooling stuff, we have we have an incredible amount of open positions, both in the US and San Francisco. Um, we have a bunch of open positions in London, a few open positions in Ireland. Um, so come come work with us. We have a bunch of open developer platform positions as well. So if you're an engineer, um, or I think we might have some engineering manager roles open on the developer platform team as well. So we, um, yeah, we're, we're scaling like crazy. Come work with us. If you're, if you're awesome at what you do, shoot me a DM and would love to, would love to chat more. Amazing. And, uh, if people want to follow you personally, they can on Twitter, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you're, wherever you're excited to, to talk about AI. I'm probably, I'm probably there talking about AI stuff. Amazing. Thank you, Logan. Thanks so much for joining. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, see you again soon. Jack, this was a ton of fun. Thank you for having me.